Hello, Oracles. Before we get into the podcast, I'd like to clear two minor things up. First, I am a student of the runes. I've worked with the runes for the past five years, but I don't know every single thing yet. And maybe I won't until the next life. Who knows? You may notice I mentioned the meaning of Yggdrasil as Odin's steed in the podcast. Technically, Yggdrasil means the terrible steed. However, Odin is the terrifier, so I feel it still fits in a way. In addition, we mentioned there's no Z rune. We totally misspoke. There is definitely a Z rune, and it is indeed all Yees. With that being said, enjoy. Welcome to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast. We are your hosts, Kitty and Alora. And today we're studying the runes together, both the Elder Futhark and the Witch's runes. We will explore their history and meanings, plus offer tips on how to commune with the runes and use them as a form of divination and magic. It's going to be a mystical hour, so grab your cuppa and settle in. How's it going? Uh, this is going to be such a good topic. I'm excited. I agree. I agree. So runes, do you use them? And if so, which kind? I, so, okay. So Elder Futhark, of course, for me, uh, but I do not use them for divination purposes because I feel like divination with the runes is a calling. And I have not been called to use them in that way. Hmm. Um, but I do use bind runes in spellcraft and also for body art um, when I want to draw a certain runic quality to myself. Uh, also journaling, things like that. But I don't use them in divination. Okay. And totally acceptable. We like that. And we're going to get into that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's like... I, oh, I was just going to say like, I feel like it's, I don't know. I have an, I don't know if it's an unpopular opinion, but I feel like runes are similar to tarot in that way. Like I, I feel like tarot is a calling. And so mm, I if you agree don't, with that. I agree with that. And if you don't have the, like the calling, like you should just not mess with it. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Yep. 100%. So I don't. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. And we plan on having a episode specifically on tarot as well. So we can get more into that then. Um, but I, I agree 100%. I think it is a calling just as tarot is. So I want to know more about this witch's runes thing because... I, this is, this sounds like something else to me other than runes, but I'm going to let you tell us, first of all, where do these witches runes come from? Like their origins and history and what's going on with that? Okay. The witches runes 
but you don't know where they've come from. <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's, that seems to be a popular answer these days. It, we don't know. For real though. Okay. I did a lot of research on the witch's runes. So, well, first when I made my own and I started using them and also to write an article and I, no one seems to know. <laughs> um, huh. So yeah, I would say it's a fairly modern system of divination and they are called runes. They're mainly, I mean, they're symbols, you know, let's be honest. Right. They're not ancient like the Elder Futhark or the Oyam in contrast. Right. That being said, I do highly recommend making and using your own witch's runes to beginners. The reason why is because it's, well, it's, it's a couple things, but they're simple symbols that you can assign your own meaning to pretty easily. And you'll pr probably pretty much know what the symbolism is to begin with. You don't have to like learn it technically, most of them. And then right. secondly, it's not a closed practice <laughs> <laughs> that we know of. Yeah. There's no specific deities or spirits that we know of that are attached to the witch's runes. Now, could there have been some spirits that inspired the, the symbols and all that? Sure. But I cannot find any kind of, you know, historical evidence or proof on this at all. So I'm thinking they're like nine, probably 20th century system. <laughs> right. And I was thinking too, this sounds a lot to me like uh, what some people call charm casting. So the, the difference I think between charm casting and the witch's runes so far seems to me anyway, is that with charm casting, you can actually choose different objects, right? Like tiny objects that are representative of something. So for instance, like you might find a tiny crown ring and then you might have a, a tiny animal bone and do you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah so this reminds me of that some people call them you know casting bones but it's more than just bones well this well yeah that's what i was saying like charm casting because yes. they're all different they're not bones correct um, okay. but you can have a bone in there <laughs> right Exactly. Yeah. Honestly, I have a bag that I put together of charms and there is a bone, I think a shark's tooth and stuff in there, but I don't, I, I don't use it as much as I should. Truthfully. Okay. Continue. Okay. <laughs> in this system, there are 13 witches runes. Now some people have added their own, which you can go ahead and do apparently. And like I said, the symbolism is pretty easy to understand. There's 13 and they are, and I'm not going to go through the meanings because I feel like everyone will be able to apply their own to them without me specifically going into all of it. There is the sun, the moon, flight, which is birds flying, rings, which are three bonded rings together, trinity, mm -hmm. which looks like the triketra, a symbol for woman, man, harvest, the crossroads, waves, a star, a scythe, which is that, you know, that shiny, scary metal thing that the 
Grim Reaper holds. That's the site. <laughs> yeah, it looks, it also, um, I think some people would know it as a sickle. It just has a longer oh, handle. Yes, sickle. It they just has a longer there. handle than a sickle. That's all. Oh, look at you, Miss Anthropologist. <laughs> <laughs> Please educate us on the ways of the scythe and the sickle. No. <laughs> well, a sickle, do you really want me to? Because I, I totally could. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I don't even know if I'm right, so I'm just going to leave that alone. But I think a sickle is the one that is just handheld, whereas a scythe is the staff with the same but it's got the same shape blade dude i I'm totally had that vision in my head but somehow i hadn't thought of that until you said it so <laughs> brilliant and the 13th rune is an eye uh, not an actual human eye right that's gross no 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 so these are all symbols that you can paint onto things which i'm going to get into how you can make your own here soon but they're all symbols that we're using okay gotcha the reason why I think this is a great system for the beginner, they're really easy to remember. And like I said, you can assign your own meaning to each one. But right. I think if you're, even if you're in the beginning stages, most of us know the moon represents intuition, dreams, emotions, that kind of thing. Most of us can understand what the woman symbol means. And the man, it's, it's fairly easy to, to study and use, I think. And in, like in contrast to the Elder Futhark, really, because it's just a harder system of divination to learn, I think. Well, yeah, <laughs> because it's more <laughs> abstract. It is. Which, by the way, and I'm going to go, I'm just, I wanted to put this out there. I literally this week had the urge to start looking into the origins of our alphabet, like really hardcore looking into it. And I haven't yet. But I do plan on doing that, folks, so stay tuned. <laughs> Isn't it Phoenician? I feel like it's a combination of things. You're probably right, like the, the basis of it. But I know that there's been other influences over time. I just don't know the full capacity of it. And I want to understand. I just want to know all of it. <laughs> yeah, the only reason I said that is because I was thinking about the word phonetic when you're talking oh, about language. So, yeah. Yeah. So <gasps> I, I love I words. <laughs> <laughs> We're a bunch Someone of nerds. Else like that? I, I am such a word nerd. <laughs> like word, anyway, word, word. For word real. Like, yes. <laughs> word, 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 word is the word. Okay. Okay. So how do you make your own set of witches runes? So I made my own set of witches runes using 13 seashells that I'd collected. They're relatively the same size. I painted them blue and then I painted each symbol or rune on each shell in gold. Obviously the colors you use are up to you. You could also use 13 stones, slices of wood, what have you, as long as they're about the same size. And I fully recommend recording what your definition of each symbol is in your grimoire, what each meaning is. And then you keep them in a small pouch or sachet. Sachet. Away. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, love, I love that show. Sachet, sachet, yeah. Um, okay, so 
now that we know how to make your own set and we know what they are, mm-hmm. how do you actually use them? Like, how do you cast them? This is going to be similar advice to that we're going to get into with the casting the Elder Futhark, but essentially you're going to start out by pulling one rune from your bag. You can either ask a question specifically, or you're just divining a random message, right, from the universe or your guides. It's the same as with pulling a card or any, really any kind of divination. Then you want to move up to maybe pulling three out of your pouch. And then finally you cast or gently dump the bag of runes onto a cloth and then you read what's there. You're going to have some facing up and some facing down. Me personally, I only read the ones that are facing up, but some people like to read the ones facing up and down, meaning the ones facing up are something that is obvious and then the ones facing down are things that are hidden. That gets Mm -hmm. a little more complicated. So really you're going to develop your own system of reading the witch's runes and you'll apply that system to learning the elder Futh arc if you so choose to learn that. So I have a question. So mm-hmm. when you do this, is this at all similar again to charm casting where you need a cloth because where the runes land is also significant or is that not even a thing? Yeah, it absolutely can be. Yes. Hmm. I, but see, I just, I don't, I've seen cloths online, like on Etsy and people make their own cloths where the, and again, we're going to get more into this with the Elder Futhark, but let's say they have the four directions separated. There's, you know, like a compass or whatever, a symbol of some kind on the cloth. And when they cast the runes, depending on where the runes fall means something different. Right. But I, I don't do it like that with witches runes. Right. I, I don't know. I just never overcomplicated the system. I just kind of use it as a more basic, simple system of divination. Right. So like in my mind, I'm thinking, so witches runes are like Oracle cards and elder Futhark are more tarot. (laughs) Absolutely. That's a really good analogy. I like that or metaphor, whatever comparison, you know, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yes, I got you. Yeah, I agree with you. That's a really, I didn't even think about that, but you're absolutely right. (sighs) Love it when I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So now we get to get to the meat of this podcast. And I know you're super excited because you're such a rune fanatic. So please bestow your wisdom and knowledge upon us about the Elder Futhark, its history and origins. Yes, I'm very excited. Okay. The first thing I'm going to do is read a stanza of the Havamal in which Odin sacrifices himself to acquire the wisdom of the runes. Okay, back up. What What is the Havamal? (laughs) Oh, Lord. Okay. It's It's basically a when you want to say a collection of poetry from the middle ages, don't quote me on the exact date. I don't know. And I I don't think we know who wrote it either, but anyway, (laughs) it's a lot of uh, verses of Odin's wisdom or what we believe is Odin's wisdom. Odin is mentioned quite a bit in it. And there's this uh, stanzas 139, 140, through 142 are specifically related to when Odin hangs on the tree and receives the runes. But there's a lot more to it. There's 
I recommend it to anybody if you're wanting to learn the runes, but also diving into working with Odin or the Norse pantheon. Yeah, I just wanted to back up there for a second in case, you know, we have listeners out there who don't know, uh, have a clue what the have them all <laughs> would be. Well, get with it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and go. <laughs> all right, so this is stanza 139. I ween that I hung on the windy tree, hung there for nights full nine. With the spear I was wounded and offered I was to Odin, myself to myself, on the tree that none may ever know what root beneath it runs. Chills. I know, oh God, I love reading the old stuff in these. I don't know what it is, it just, yeah, something about it. And I feel like if you read it out loud too, it really, it draws up more emotion than if you're just reading it on a screen or what have you. Do you know what I mean? Right. Right. All right. To me, I think the Elder Futhark runes have very mysterious and intriguing history. We know the system we use today dates back to probably the second or third century BCE and originates with the Germanic people of Europe. However, there's even older runic markings from the Bronze Age, it goes way back before that, which are believed to have represented fertility gods like Nerdus and Ingwas. More mm -hmm. and more symbols started to emerge after this time, including a rune that resembled a star or a snowflake. I don't think we really know exactly if it's a star or snowflake. <laughs> mm -hmm. Could be either, could be both, we don't know. Then Hagalaz, which is hail, and Rai, though, for, you know, ride, travel, transformation, journey, blah, 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 along with spirals, circles, and zigzag-type markings, sort of came first before we had the entire final system, which was in full use by the 800s AD. This is interesting to me because this... Uh, more symbols emerged over time, uh, in including a rune that resembled the star, the snowflake, right? But mm -hmm. when I'm thinking about that too, I'm also thinking about like the Norse compass, right? Oh yeah. Because that it, looks right? like, yeah, because that looks like a snowflake. Absolutely. So I wonder if like that was the actual symbol and then, but over time, you know, some of it wore off. Who knows? We don't know. I don't know. I'd have to see like, was this carved in something or what? The star, the snowflake? Yeah. Yes. Or was so it when, I, when, I'm, when I'm talking about, when I'm saying that the symbols emerging and that we have evidence of it, the runic markings, they're typically inscribed into stone. Yeah. Okay. So this isn't paint? No. Mm -mm. Okay. Inscriptions. All so, right. Can and which I'm about to say, runic inscriptions are found actually all over the world, including in their homelands like Norway, Denmark, Sweden. But they're also in Iceland because obviously the Vikings traveled to Iceland. They're also found in Turkey and even in the United States. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, and there's been there's been a lot of I'm not going to go too much into this, but there's stones in a couple places in the U.S. I want to say Michigan and then another one like randomly somewhere in middle America. I don't know where, forget, that has been debated whether it's, you know, authentic or not. And right. 
there's some scholars that swear that it is, that it's proven, and then others that are like, no, never happened. But <laughs> I mean, Eric the Red probably came here anyway, before Christopher Columbus, but we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a history uh, lesson. I'm sorry. All right. Interestingly, though, I like this part a lot, and it makes so much sense. The word rune sten stems from a very ancient word meaning secret or mystery. Hmm, I like that. Right, it makes sense. Makes sense. Yes. I think. Yes, I so agree. Good, good. I'm glad. I think the most important part of the rune's history, though, is its divine origins. Me too. And I'm going to go into why I think this is skipped over a lot. But anyway, according to Norse Germanic myth, Odin, the god of wisdom, hung upside down on Yggdrasil for nine days and nights without food or water. And for those who don't know, Yggdrasil is essentially the Norse world tree. So mm -hmm. the branches reach up into the realms of the gods and the roots are down into the uh, realm of the dead. Helheim. Yes, and the the trunk is where we are, Midgard. Midgard. <laughs> yes. So yeah, so he pierced himself with a spear while he was up there because you know, fasting and not drinking any water isn't good enough. We have to pierce ourselves with a spear. <laughs> <laughs> and while he was there, he gazed into the water at the bottom of the great tree. This water flows from the well of Orv in which the runes were created and reside. After nine days and nights on the tree, Odin was gifted sight of the runes reflecting off the water, or perhaps it was emerging from its depths. In addition to <laughs> Odin being the master of runes, other Norse and Germanic gods are entwined in this sacred system, including Tyr, Hagal, Thor, the Norns, Freya, Bershta, Ingwaz, Nerdus, and more. Yeah, I don't know if he was gifted uh, the sight to see the runes or if he was just, you know, loss of blood, no food, no water. It well, was a vision. I mean, but visions are gifts. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> but all of those things, you know, the fasting and the bloodletting, things like that, uh, ancient kings and things would do that to have visions. Hey, there's people that still fast to have visions. <laughs> yeah, but I hope nobody's bloodletting. It's just, it's a little too far. <laughs> yeah, well, we're not going there. Yeah, that is pretty. <laughs> Don't do that, people. <laughs> You're, yes, we are not immortal. No. I love okay. that story. I don't know what it is. And I, did you know too that Yggdrasil is the word itself means Odin's steed? Huh, mm -hmm. that's interesting, especially because he has Sleipnir. Right, right. Sleipnir, or however you say it. The Sleipnir, yeah. So Yggdrasil is Odin's steed as well. It, it means that to me it means and from what i was understanding of it that he rides it like he rides a horse so he travels up and down the tree it's pretty cool anyway yeah i i love all the norse myths because they're just so interesting and like like for example slept near sleep near however you say it 
his origins are are just fascinating in and of themselves. <laughs> oh yeah. I could I could read this stuff all day long, people, for real. <laughs> and, <laughs> and there's so much there the great thing about it is there was so much recorded. I mean, even though it was by monks or Christians or what have you, but at least we have the myths to read. And there's so many of them. Right. <laughs> okay. So yeah. we have some listener questions and we actually had two people, Anna and Leanne ask similar questions. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of combined those and what are the major no-nos when working with the runes and more specifically, is there any cultural appropriation issues we should be aware of? First of all, bringing up cultural appropriation, we will be covering this topic in our sister podcast, Mamir's Well, coming soon. <laughs> yes, because that is episode number one, is this a closed practice? So yep. keep yep. a lookout yep. for that. Correct. Whoop, whoop. All right. I don't know about any major no-nos with the runes, but I think the main issue here that should be discussed that often isn't is that the Elder Futhark runes aren't just a means of divination. Yes. Clearly, because I don't use right. them that way. Right. <laughs> and I was going to say, yeah, it's a perfect example. Yes, they were and are used for divination purposes. But what happens is some folks get a hold of the system and they don't ever study the origins. They might crack a book that says these 24 runes, here's the basic meanings. You know, all yeast is protection, Othala, ancestors, Fehu, money. You know, it's a very high level understanding of each. And right. to me, that, that's the problem because the sacred means in which Odin received the wisdom of the runes, gifted, visionary, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> they're kind of bypassing all that the deeper aspects of each individual rune and the gods linked to each of them. Right. And while I don't necessarily see it as cultural appropriation, I see it mainly as a disservice to the practitioner and also to the gods of the Norse and Germanic pantheon, as well as to our Norse and Germanic ancestors as well. Would you yeah. Agree? And I, I feel like with it. Okay. So I feel like with a lot of things in witchcraft these days, I feel like if you're going to delve into the runes, you better be serious. Like this is not something to dabble in. And, right. you know, there's, I think what irritates me most these days is the lack of sacredness yep. and the lack of reverence and respect for right. practices, whether they're closed or, or open or whatever you want to, say like regardless overall, you know yeah like regardless yeah. of open or closed or any of that you should definitely treat any practice that you partake in with respect and be serious about it because it is a sacred practice <laughs> it is agreed and if you're not too if you're not putting in the time and effort to truly immerse yourself in that magic and sanctity of the runes, I believe that you're never going to re really be able to harness their true power. You're only ever going to be surface level. And right. it's essentially just the alphabet. <laughs> right. 
before you've studied the true meaning of the alphabet, which I plan to do. And I'm really excited about it. But anyway, <laughs> I think it, it's because the runes, they're, to me, they're a guide to life and to enlightenment. And if it, it's like, if, I don't know, I could go on a tangent about this, but if we are supposed to respect ancient systems like the runes or, or any kind of ancient system, you should be understanding the origins of it, specifically relating to what the people believed then and why these things came about. Not just, oh, cool, it's a bunch of runes and here's the, the high level meaning and never understanding where they came from. Does that make sense? <laughs> right. Yes, I agree. All right. <laughs> okay. Sorry for the lecture. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Okay, so how many runes are there? Mm -hmm. Do you need a cloth to read runes? And what about like basic meanings? I will be honest and tell you I'm not going to go into the meanings of the 24 runes. It would take a long <laughs> freaking time. And again, I'm, I would just be giving you the, the high-level meanings yes in tarot we call that the little white book <laughs> okay gosh you see, i know nothing i really don't know anything about tarot it has not called me yet so <laughs> we are two sides of the same coin sister yes exactly yeah so i said it there's 24 traditionally in the elder food arc system now there are other systems of the runes as well. There's a younger or a young, young or younger Futhark system. And there's also an Anglo-Saxon system. I don't know either of those two. I just went with the elder Futhark. Anyway. Yeah. And, well, <laughs> probably specifically for you and I, those aren't significant because we're both tied to Odin. <laughs> True. Yeah. But you know, and both of them, have their own ties to Odin in their own right, but I just felt more called to the system than the others. Yeah, because I don't know about you, but I want the OG. I want the original. Exactly. Yeah. You're like elder, <laughs> we're going there. <laughs> Younger, no. <laughs> Anything old, I'm in. <laughs> it's it's truly an obsession for real. Uh all right. So yeah, beyond the basic meanings, as I said before, the meanings run deep and I think every person will find that each rune takes on its own unique meaning to them, just like with the witch's runes, but a little bit more intense. <laughs> <laughs> the runes, I feel my experience with them, the runes are intuitive and they have kind of a conscience of themselves in a way. And I actually had a guy argue with me about that online. He was very adamant that you should never place the runes above the gods and if you give them a conscience then you're doing that but anyway <laughs> okay uh-huh i know yeah and i never have i ever said that the runes are above the gods but this is just my opinion hmm. it's a personal experience when i first started feeling called to the runes it was like one at a time would present themselves to me sort of like if you get called by a god hmm. I once had, and this is bizarre, I know, but I once had Othala appear in the steam on the top of my pot lid one night when I was cooking. Huh. 
it was wild and strange and I took a picture of it. I wish I could find that picture, but it was like right there. I'm like, where did that even, I don't even know how that happened. I don't know where it came from. It's like someone had, if you're in your shower and you write on the shower wall. Right. That's what it looked like. Freaky. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty wild. So I knew that that was the time that I needed to start communing with Othala and really meditating on it and working with it. Yeah. So obviously, or well, obviously to me, it sounds like you're really tied to that one. For sure. And it, and talking about favorite runes going into now, it's probably my most favorite rune because funny enough too, it was right in the hearth of the home, right? Home and hearth. It, Othala ties you to the land, your ancestors, your inheritance of the land and what your ancestors worked for for you, but it's also looking ahead at the legacy that you leave behind for your children, for the earth. Yeah, so it's probably like my number one favorite rune. How about you? Do you have a favorite rune or a couple favorite runes that you use? Uh, I do. So uh, I am in agreement with you about Othala. I use Ansu's because of Odin. Of course. Um, quite a bit. Me too. Yes. Uh, I've, yeah. And I forgive my pronunciation because usually I don't have to pronounce these. I just write them. Yes. <laughs> um, I'll, how you, how you pronounce that? Algees? Al it's either Algees or Algees. Yeah. Both. Algees, whatever. That one is protection. Yep. But and I've used all of those. I do use all of those. Yeah. But I also have this weird love of Fehu. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially because, so that one is about abundance and prosperity. But I think deeper than that, it's about gratitude. Mm. So, because you have to be in a state of gratitude to receive. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. So me, it's a reminder of, of having gratitude just for everything. Yes. I like that. See, you was, you dived into the deeper meaning. (laughs) I also, money. (laughs) (laughs) I also really like, Oh God, I cannot say these. The one that starts with R. (laughs) Right though. Yeah, right though, that one. Because that one to me is more about like it, it helps you find your way when you're lost or when you oh, feel lost. Good, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it kind of gives direction. And that's one of the one of the more ancient ones too, which I found interesting when I was researching all this. And last but not least, uh lag hmm, the lag- one that starts with Say that again. Lagus. There you go. Uh, prophecy, dream work, witching, mm-hmm. all, all those things. <laughs> all the things. <laughs> yeah. And at, at a basic level, lake and water. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's good. Those are really good ones. I also like you. We talked, we've talked about a few. All G's or all G's, however you want to pronounce it, in addition to being a protective rune, to me, it reminds me of our connection to the gods because it kind of reminds mm-hmm. me of someone standing up straight and having their arms out, like to the yeah. heavens. It always reminded me of a, 
upside down broom. <laughs> That's true too. <laughs> and I think it actually represents elk, elk horns hmm. at its very physical, yeah, level. At its very literal level. Yeah, the literal level. But a lot of that's okay. So that's one thing that drives me nuts. I bought this Viking Oracle cards and I was, I use them a lot, but I'll be honest with you, it kind of disappointed me because a lot of those original, like the literal meanings were lost, like in the deck. Mm. For example, all G's didn't have any elk on the card or elk horns. And to me, that's the essence of it, right? That's, that is where it all came from. So why wouldn't you put it on there? But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you just need to make a deck. Yeah, I thought that. I'm like, well, but I'm just not artistic like that. I could write it. Like I could write a book, but anyway. Or Bericano well, didn't have the birch tree on it. Like why? Like, but but anyway. see, this is why deck artists and authors work together. Ah. Collaboration. <laughs> Yeah. Love it. Okay. But what yeah. about, I know that I also know that you have a special relationship with Burkano. Mm -hmm. All right. Tell us why. <laughs> and honestly, this isn't even something that I can solidify with hard evidence. But when I worked, I have, I have a goddess that I hold dear to my heart that I'm not actively working with, but a few years back, she was with me for a while and she's a Germanic goddess named Bersta. If you live in Germany, you might've heard the name Perschta or the Persten. Anyway, she's kind of an obscure goddess now, but I, when she came to me, I actually woke up in the middle of the night in the middle of a thunderstorm. It woke me up and I, it was like, she told me this is her rune. And if you look at her name and the room, the, the name of the rune, Bercano, Bersta, they both relate to birch, the birch tree. Oh, that's such a touching story. <laughs> I I'm love saying, it. You know, I mean, Bersta was known as the white lady, which the, I think even the birch tree is referred to as the white lady. So it's, it's pretty cool as well as Bercano. That is cool. Yeah. And there, it's funny too, because some scholars are like, we, she might be like Celtic, but I, I don't, maybe, but mostly Germanic, but anyway. <laughs> okay. So the first thing that I want to ask you before we get into listener questions. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I do not read runes as a divinatory system. I do, however, have a really close friend who does. And it was funny because a few years back he contacted me and he said, so I want to get back into rune divination, but I cannot buy them myself. So would you want to do that for me? And I was like, heck yes, because he's actually a really gifted um, reader of the runes. And so there, there's a whole long story about what happened in the in-between years, but he essentially gave it up for about a decade and then he wanted to get back into it. So he asked me if I would gift them to him, which I did. Now, is this how it should go? Is there a rule about that? Um, and I know from him and his experience, there's also like some binding that has to happen when you get them 
and a ritual of sorts. So can you confirm or deny that this is accurate? I, in the literal sense of it, like an actual initiation ritual, that did not happen for me. However, when I started, and I, yeah, this is funny, this is coming up anyway. I haven't thought about this in a long time, but when I started working with the runes, when they started presenting themselves to me was a major transformational time of my life. And it, it was actually, it was a painful transformation. Essentially, I, I was emerging out of the chrysalis or what have you. I was coming out of the broom closet to a certain extent and changing my way of thinking and just everything about my life I was, was changing. I woke up one morning and realized I wasn't happy and I, I just went through this huge transformation and all of a sudden the runes started popping up everywhere. So mm-hmm. I think, and I never, like I never, yeah, I never did an actual initiation ceremony or ritual or anything like that. I think that the initiation part actually came organically through that period of time that I was going through and myself. That makes right. sense. Right. And it's so funny too, because I think I told you, but I look back at like my journal, my grimoire from like years ago apparently Odin was calling me like seven years ago and I didn't hear it at all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the reason why I, I was asking you about that is because I believe that the first time around when he read the runes, he sort of picked them up, didn't really delve a whole lot into their... I don't know, sacredness maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were not so good consequences that came from that mm. for him. So this time around, when he was ready to pick them back up, he was like, no, okay, so this time I'm doing it right. <laughs> like, no, it, it's, it's good that you brought this up because I wasn't even going to talk about it, but it really makes sense because Odin had to go through his trials in order to receive the runes and whatever, you know, form you believe, but it's almost like if you are to receive the runes or work with the runes or, you know, have that connection with them, then you have to give up something as well. And that Mm. might come through a, a, a trial in your life through just some kind of transformational period. Right. That's deep. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've been thinking about this until now. You're like blowing my mind here. Well, I mean, I think that, okay, we could go and I'm not going to go really into this, but I, all I will say is that for specific practices, for specific deities, uh, for dedication into witchcraft itself, a lot of times there is an initiation process, whether you recognize it at the time or not. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. When you look back on it, just like I just did, you're like, oh, I hadn't even thought of that. I, I This was, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say my age. This was five years ago. I literally was going through an identity crisis for the first time in my life. And it was probably the hardest time of my life, honestly, super painful, transformational stuff. And that's when the runes 
started presenting themselves to me. So, oh my gosh, it's just so deep. We could go on. We need to have an initiation <laughs> episode. We do. Talk okay, write that, that down. Um, Are you writing this down? <laughs> I don't have a pen. I'll remember later. <laughs> okay, so Anna asks, how do you select the runes that are best for you to work with? Okay, this kind of already answered before, but I believe that the runes that you're supposed to work with will present themselves to you. I can say that a million times, but yeah. Whatever you're supposed to learn at that time, the right rune will show up. Again, it's kind of like a God calling to you. You might see it on TV. You might see it online. You might hear it in a song. Literally, I saw, and y'all are going to laugh about this, but I saw Awas on the sidewalk. So the guys that work on the city water or what have you, that whole system, they actually <laughs> use that rune to mark where they're supposed to work, like with um, spray paint. <laughs> I can take a picture of it and, and post it to the group so y'all can see what I mean. But it like blew my mind one day. I'm like walk, taking a little nature walk and all of a sudden there's a rune in spray paint on the sidewalk. I think it's crazy, but for real. Yeah. I, I don't even know that they know that they're using a rune to mark the space. You know what I mean? <laughs> Probably not. Um, but yeah, I, it's just, it'll start popping up and, and you'll realize this is the rune I'm supposed to work on right now. And you dedicate yourself to studying that rune's history, the meanings, you meditate on it. And I also like to do something that is a multi-sensory approach to learning the runes. So don't just look at the rune on a page of piece of paper and read the meaning. You're going to really try to emulate it in many different ways. You want to draw it, paint it, you're going to say it out loud, learn how to pronounce it. You draw the, I even, I've even done this where, and I've done this with, with my son too, and this is kind of where I get some of my ideas, but you draw it on the ground in chalk, and then you walk the rune. And then while you're walking it, you're chanting it, or you're saying it in your head. Mm. So basically you're incorporating all of your senses when you work with the specific rune, and it really helps to commit it to memory. And for like some that. reason it opens up new ways for this rune to speak to you. Mm. In addition, yeah. and I just I like thought of this tonight, you should, I highly, highly recommend listening to Wardruna. I'm sure you'll agree with this. Uh, yeah, because they're badass. Oh, yes. Say that. It's fine. It's fine. Most of their music is inspired and based on the runes. There's a lot of songs that are literally named for the runes and the lead of the band. Oh, gosh, I can't remember his name now. Einar? Anyway, he, yeah, he's literally taken his music and walked through the entire runic system and based all of his songs off the runes. And there's songs that are based on other things too, the, the Norse concept, but you get the point. There's another song that I was listening to tonight by Heilung, and it's called In My Jan, mm. where they chant the whole runic system over and over. And it's, <laughs> it's so powerful. Like if you really want it to feel real, you need to listen to this music and just, yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> it's, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, uh, again, it reminds me of <clears throat> how I act, how I teach tarot, like the multi-sensory thing, because mm -hmm. it's not enough to just look at a card and read a meaning. You have to live it. You have to experience it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
exactly. All right. Because so if you're just reading it on a piece of paper, it's kind of like being in school where you're just, you're just absorbing the information to regurgitate it and then it loses its meaning. Right. Yes, yeah. I agree. But now when, so now we're going to get into how to make your own rune set or rune cards because yeah. we had a listener question, uh, Kate, and she asked, when collecting stones to make runes, is there a specific kind you should choose? And should we pick what speaks to us? Honestly, I have not made my own runes. And I, I purchased a set of goldstone runes online from a reputable maker, and I love them. I use them all the time. I think if you're gonna make your own rune set of runes, I would choose stones from nature that are about the same size and shape, similar to what I said about the witch's runes. I think too, you can, honestly, like hand making your own runes is gonna hold its own special power. I am not great at artsy crafty type things and that's why I purchased my own. My witch's runes that I made on seashells are, they leave something to be desired. <laughs> <laughs> So I do paint vine runes and runes and we're going to learn this and in, in, into my magic and rituals and whatnot. But as far as making my own set, I have not yet, but yeah, I recommend using stones that you found maybe like flat stones from a Creek. Like I said, they need, should be about all the same size. You could also use wood slices or antler sheds, which I think if I wanted to make my own runes, I would want the antler sheds. That's pretty cool. Yeah, or a specific, I would go for a specific wood. Yes. But again, I'm not like a wood maker. <laughs> a wood maker. <laughs> I was out in my garage, like sawing at some wood to try to slice up some wood for a rune set. My husband would be like, honey, please, please, you're going to hurt yourself. Put it down. <laughs> <laughs> Me and power tools. Nope. It's probably not going to happen, but uh, I don't know. Maybe one day. <laughs> Maybe I'll, maybe I'll make you a set. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I, yeah, it would probably work out best because I can hardly wield a hammer. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you just say the word wield and hammer? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, we don't want you to wield a hammer. <laughs> Somebody going to get hurt. Yeah. Right. Okay. So speaking yeah. of bind runes and all of that and using runes in magic, mm -hmm. how do you, how do you use runes in your daily routines? So like I said, again, it's the multi-sensory sensory type thing. The more you use them in your daily routines and in your magic and your spells, it's just, it's, it's just best, right? I paint or draw them on the sides of glass candles as well as on my jar spells. I also use them as protective symbols when blessing my home and my car. I draw them on myself using oil. I also draw them in the air when I'm, when I'm setting sacred space. And mm -hmm. I kind of, and oh gosh, people don't get mad at me about this, but I use them in correlation with Reiki type energy. I know. Anyway, <laughs> you can get creative with it. I think you make it your own. You, the more you use it, the better it is, right? Right. Because if you don't exactly. use it, you'll lose it. 
Have you, um, have you used like, have you ever, cause I know that you're a kitchen lady, kitchen witch. So have you used runes in like your baking? Hmm. Probably. <laughs> I can't think no, I just meant like, like how cool would it be to bake a loaf of bread in the shape of a rune? It would be really cool, but it also sounds very complicated. <laughs> nah. It would, be, it would have to be very, like, thin bread. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> well, there is a project for you. <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> I need to figure that one out. Okay, so how do you start casting runes for divination? I'm going to say it's almost the same as starting out with the witch's runes that we already discussed. But truly, you want to start out by pulling one rune out of your bag or pouch, divining the meaning, and then work your way up to three, and then six, and then nine. When you get up to six and nine, that's when you can start gently casting them onto a cloth and reading how they're laying as well. Mm. There's like, same with the witch's runes. There's a lot of different ways to read how they fall on the cloth. Some folks read, again, only the face up. Some include the face down. Again, I only use the face up. It's just me. I also like to read the runes in a directional pattern. So I do, when I'm setting up, I like to read them outside if I can, but I will do it inside on my table. And, you know, I lay out my cloth. I know which way is north, east, south, and west. And so when I cast them, depending on where they fall, that's going to be, you know, that rune is impacting that aspect of life i guess so right, exactly north i was gonna say north, yeah i was gonna say referring to but yeah yes or referring to right exactly so but you don't have to do it that way you can you can do it however you want there people again there's also rune claws that have the veg vizier the you know the viking compass on it and you could develop your right. own sense of reading them on that there's there's also the web of weird that you can use on a cloth. There's a lot of different mm -hmm. things that you can do. So the more you do it, you'll, you'll make your own way. You'll make your own practice. Okay. Nikki asks, I'd like to know more about bind runes. Is there a particular way that they should be layered or stacked or when laid out in linear form? I may be totally just uneducated in this aspect, but I've never used bind runes in that way as far as layering or, or stacking them. Or I don't know if she's saying like physically, well, I, I don't know, maybe she's actually referring to drawing them. But anyway, I think making bind runes is a very personal thing. Whatever it is you're going through at that time or whatever your need might be, you get into that alpha state of mind, you connect with the gods, you ask for their insight as to which runes to use. And then you take those runes and combine them. At least that's how I do it typically. I either draw or paint them. And usually I'll sketch them out before I put them on, you know, a jar or a candle or whatever spell or working it is that I'm doing. Right. And until it's just right. Once you'll know once it's just right. You, you'll see what I mean when you start to work with it. I think too, there's another way to do it. And it's kind of when you're the same as when you're working with sigils, you can spell out your intention using the runes that correspond with the letters. And I'll use love for, as an example. So 
love would be Laguz, Othala, Bercano, and Awas. You can combine those four runes together or you can cancel out the vowels and combine just Laguz and Bercano. There's a lot of ways mm -hmm. to do it. So you just experiment. Yeah, I do the same thing you do. I generally just combine yeah. all of them. It is fun to write in runes though. Have you ever tried it? <laughs> like write out your name <laughs> and different words. It's pretty fun. Yes, but it's confusing. <laughs> right, because there's some that don't, you know, there's 24 runes and they don't, it, it does, it's not like it matches our alphabet exactly. So you right. have to substitute with things. Exactly. Yes. That's the tricky part. <laughs> right. So like, for example, in the runes, there's no C. So you would use K because it's the same sound or can be the same sound. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So for anyone listening who is feeling a calling to the runes or just wants to use runes more in their everyday practice, what are some resources that you recommend? First, if you're looking for a short but very good read, it's a very useful resource. I still use it. It's a small book called A Little Bit of Runes by Cassandra Eason. She's a really good author. She breaks the runes into the eights. So there's, you know, three sets of eight of the 24 runes. Is that right? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not a mathematician okay also reading the Havamal and the Edas the old Norse and Germanic sagas all those things while they don't all cover the runes it's still important because all the gods the pantheon you know that's represented or linked to these runes are all within those texts so right that's super important agreed yeah and in addition it's it's a book called Futhark, A Handbook of Rune Magic by Idrid Thorson. Some people don't like this author. All right, I'm not going to get into a whole debate about it. I did like this book because I felt it was super in-depth and it gave a lot of, again, multi-sensory kind of approaches to the runes. He even gives like, it's called runic status. It's kind of almost, it's similar to yoga, but not yoga, but their body positions for each of the runes, which is kind of cool. Hmm. And of course, the website, otherworldlyoracle.com. We have an article on how to make your own rune cards, as well as articles on how to cast the runes and how to use runes in your magic and your daily life. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Hopefully okay. you guys were writing that stuff down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have covered the runes from A to why? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> There's <I'm> nosy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You ready to wrap it up? Yeah. All right. Check out our articles on Witches, Runes, and the Elder Futhark at otherworldlyoracle.com. Just type into the search bar and boom. <laughs> articles <laughs> on runes. We welcome you to join our high vibing Facebook group and visit my website at www.alorain.com. Shout out to all of our oracles for joining us, whether you're new or returning, subscribe or favorite our podcast to be notified of future episodes. Help your magical sisters out and be sure to share our podcast and review us too. And remember, whether you're in the land of the Fae or the land of the ancestors, stay otherworldly.